Hello and welcome back to the Blasphemous Pope Cathedral. I am your Blasphemous Pope, Harry. And here we are at Meditation 18, What Could Go Wrong? But before that, let's get into some housekeeping notes and uh, do our regu regularly scheduled rigmarole before the uh, festivities begin. First, I would like to uh, call out the Friends of the Blasphemous Pope podcast. Donna Van Meter at Van Meter Design Studio. Star O'Hara. Technate 2051 on Substack. Amy Lynn Russell, one of our researchers. Vincent Easley of RLM Radio. That's Real Liberty Media. London Gardens. Kennedy Edwards. We Trade Free all over at Twitter. And... Christy Caruana and Mike Witt. Uh, all of these people are people who have helped share the Blasphemous Boat podcast uh, and have been part of this project. Uh, so in order to get on this list at this point, um, basically uh, it's a 99 cent subscription and then you get a free call out on and whatever project you're doing uh, on the Blasphemous Pope podcast during the housekeeping notes. Other housekeeping notes, um, other projects that we have going on that are uh, coming to fruition. Uh, we are going to be filming the remainder of the potato project. We have to go and check out and see what's going on in the dirt. And uh, hopefully it's a success. If not, I have to try and troubleshoot what happened and then we move on from there. Um, other projects that are going on, the hydroponic project, the seed starting project, the outside balcony garden, and the composting project are all uh, uh, going on as planned. Any future projects, any other things that we want to do, I'm trying to hold off until we get funding because my funds are pretty tight. Uh, starting uh, this month, it's starting to catch up with me, the whole cutting my hours and everything. So. The self-funding aspect of this is going to have to stop, at least temporarily, and then uh, if we can resume that, that would be great, but if we could resume projects because the Blasphemous Pope podcast is getting funded, well, that would be great as well. Um, outside of that, uh, with this podcast, there is a WordPress site that has all of the relevant links and um, any images, diagrams, schematics, what have you, that come up, they will end up over there. So down in the description, there's a link for my blog and you can just click on that and that will bring you over to the blog and you just find the uh, blog post that has the same title as the podcast that you're looking for. Um, aside that, uh, a lot of uh, my short videos are ending up over on TikTok at Harry Felker Base. You can also you can always find them there. Uh, generally, that's like the stuff like the outside garden, the composting, uh, the the hydroponic unit. All of those videos are over there, and uh, that's pretty much where I'm sharing that stuff. So there's that. Now, let us move on. Meditation 18. What could go wrong? Now, when I say what could go wrong, what could go wrong are two groups of competing problems. The first group of, comp of problems are things that are within our control 
And the second group of things are things that are outside of our control. Or, well, the one thing that's really outside of our control. Um, with science, with technology, a lot of the things that would have been outside of our control 20, 30 years ago are now very well within our control. There's literally the, the chance of nature doesn't really factor in anymore. Uh, and that needs to be said and needs to be understood and needs to be uh, implemented in our regular daily practices when we are doing things like growing our own food. Um, the one thing that is outside of our control is the reaction to us uh, ejecting ourselves from the system from a very specific source, but we will be getting into that later. Um, as far as the things that we can control, uh, the water quality, the water quantity, um, the soil quality, uh, which only really applies to people doing dirt farming, of course. Uh, our lighting situation, which again, really is a concern for indoor people as opposed to outdoor growing people. And temperatures. Um, these are all factors that we can very well control that will uh, greatly enhance our chances of fulfilling, creating great uh, crops. Uh, come back after these messages for the beginning of water quality. See you there. And welcome back. Thank you for joining me after that quick ad break. Um, so, water quality. So, when we talk about water quality, uh, I want you, want, want you to understand that there are test kits out there that you can use. Sorry, that's my hydroponic unit going off. Um, there are test units that you can use um, for cheap on Amazon that will give results. Uh, I do not have the finances to do a full run of all of the the very inexpensive kits that are available but um, for the most part uh, they they have decent reviews they they do provide uh, value to let you know how hard or soft your water is now when you are uh, using hard water um, you will find that uh, they'll it'll create a layer of salt or calcium carbonate which will repel water from your roots. Uh, so that is a bad thing. Try to avoid hard water. The other thing is hard water is notoriously alkaline and plants kind of prefer an acidic environment. Um, soft water, on the other hand, causes plants to think that they have, uh, they have already taken their fill of water because of the process of osmosis they will feel that they have more water in them than they actually do because the process of osmosis will make them think that they need to leach water out and that will make your plants die of thirst they will wilt and and, and that will be the end of it so how do we deal with this well we deal with it via water purification 
There are three real main methods of water purification that uh, I see as valid for this. Uh, first and foremost, we'll talk about reverse osmosis, then we're going to move on to distilled water, and then we will talk about carbon filtering. So strap in. Uh, reverse osmosis is uh, a process, a, a very natural process. It's not very complicated to make happen. All it requires is some pressure, water, and a membrane. Basically, the way osmosis works is you have water and contaminated water, let's say, on two sides of a membrane. And what will happen is, in order to try to balance out the um, water versus contaminant process, the water will move towards the impure water, basically. Um, and and that's what osmosis is. It's moving to the opposite side of a membrane to create uh, homeostasis between the two solutions. I don't know if that's the correct word, but that's the one we're going with. Um, reverse osmosis basically is doing the opposite of this. And what happens with a reverse osmosis is you apply pressure to the water and it will force the water and filter it through this semi-permeable membrane that only allows water to pass. Now, this is an expensive process. Uh, even the DIY versions of this is very expensive. I'm going to give some links in my blog post at harryfelker.wordpress.com. The link is in the description. And um, it is an expensive piece of equipment to get to purify your water. Um, it is very technically advanced, so when you have to maintain this thing, you have to know what you're doing. So keep these things in mind when you're thinking about reverse osmosis. Um, next up is distillation. Now distillation is just like what the um, uh, Appalachians did when you know they're making their moonshine, but the difference is instead of getting the alcohol out of the, the solution you're going to be getting the water out um, now these these things are less expensive um, there are actual systems that you can hand fill I think they're like 70 bucks uh, and it takes uh, the better part of eight hours to produce like a gallon of uh, distilled water and finally we have carbon filtering which is the least expensive and the least advanced it uses activated charcoal and I'm gonna try and find the uh, video from lead farmer over on YouTube about how to make your own activated charcoal uh, and basically just passing the water through activated charcoal the absorption properties of charcoal will remove most contaminants out of your water um, as far as which one is the best, better, or the least good, well, that is something you're going to have to test out for yourself. Now, um, all of these options are good for drinking water, but we're really talking about our plants, and that has a different specification. Uh, and we will be getting back to that when we come back after this short break. I will see you then.
Okay, welcome back. Alright, so, uh, to finish up on water before we start, uh, soil, uh, when I say that there's kits on Amazon, I'm not talking about TDS meters, I'm actually talking about water hardness test kits, uh, and I apologize for having to restate that, but I figured once I looked over at soil and saw soil test kits, they're gonna think I was talking about the TDS meters from last week's episode, and I wasn't, so, uh, Amazon test kits, they'll be on my blog, linked uh, at harryfelker.wordpress.com. Those are the ones I'm talking about when I'm talking about testing your water. It's basically testing drinking water for heavy metals and other contaminants like that. Um, also, before we get onto soil quality, we have to understand that each one of these methods for uh, water purification, reverse osmosis, distilling, and charcoal filtering have pros and cons uh, as far as what they take out, what they don't take out, what they shouldn't be taking out that they do take out, and what have you. And those are things you're going to have to really explore for yourself to see where you're comfortable. In regard to growing, I feel that distillation is your best option. It is um, going to give you a blank slate for your nutrient solution, especially for hydroponics. Um, as far as soil growing is concerned, it's that blank slate of water means that the fertilizers you put down, the compost you put down, stuff like that in your soil will be fully effective because the water will not be getting in the way. Um, I then put reverse osmosis because it is similarly a blank slate, though most reverse osmosis systems do put minerals back into the water for water quality for tasting as far as drinking is concerned. Those, water, those minerals can be beneficial to your plants, but it removes it from that blank slate status. And if you're adding your own nutrients, especially if it's a, a hydroponic system, that could get in the way. Uh, and finally then, carbon filtering, because it is the least blank slate. You know, it, it is literally allowing a lot of things to get into that. So just keep that in mind. Carbon filtering is great for drinking water because it gives you the taste of drinking water. It doesn't really mess up the mineral content of the water, you know, the essential minerals you need. But for plants, especially if you're adding nutrients to the water, you're probably going to want a blank slate. Now let's move on to soil quality. And I'm going to say this and say this once. Test your soil or have it tested. If you haven't, listen to last week's episode about soil testing. Okay, I, I did a very long and very, very thorough go about as far as soil testing is concerned and you should absolutely listen to it and check out the blog post associated with that, uh, that podcast. Now, if you find that your soil is lacking, there are many ways to amend your soil. There's market products for amendments and they will be on harryfelker.wordpress.com for you to peruse through. You can use compost, you can use manure, and you can use fertilizer. Um, as far as composting is concerned, you could buy compost or you could make your own. If you scroll on back to the beginning of the meditations, that's my first subject that I go over is composting. Uh, and that is a way to recycle all of your biological food, uh, food waste into new soil. Uh, manure, I live in an apartment and anybody who 
uh, has that limitation is not going to be able to have livestock to make manure you you can buy it commercial you can go to Home Depot and pick it up it's in the garden center um, but you know it, it doesn't really smell it's not like you know it's not like going to the duck farm you know it's uh, it's actually a, a, a pretty mild aroma as far as that stuff is concerned but again uh, it's something that if you do not have land and do not have livestock, you are going to have to buy. Uh, and commercial fertilizer, again, all over the place. You can get it anywhere. Um, and especially if you're doing something like hydroponics and you're not feeling sure about creating something like compost tea, a market fertilizer is going to be your best option. With that being said, um, I want to make sure that everybody understands that you need to follow directions on your market fertilizers. Don't wing it. Don't do what you think is right. Don't season it like you do your food and wait for your ancestors to say, that's enough, my child. It's follow the directions. They're there for a reason. These people are experts on growing plants and on adding the nutrients needed to make those plants grow. Multi-million dollar businesses rely on this information. You can rely on it too. Um, so there's that, uh, as far as which amendment's going to be right for you, that really depends on your, um, your abilities, your, your willingness to, uh, go through uh, the process of composting your own food waste and your, your finances. When we come back, we're going to be talking about lighting and, uh, uh, harken back to meditation number 12. See you then. Welcome back. Uh, here we are up to lighting. All right. So as far as lighting is concerned, and this is really going to be uh, concerning the inside growers, not the outside growers, obviously, because there's really not much you can do about the sun. Um, it's there and that's it, right? So in Meditation 12 Illuminations, I talked about different lighting options and, and how to quantify that light and, and all of that stuff. And I really, really suggest you go back there, give it a listen, check the blog post, look at the links. There's a lot of information, a lot of science information that you're going to really want to get under your belt if you are growing indoors. Now, with that being said, uh, here's some prescriptions uh, the things that could go wrong with light is you could have too little light or too much light okay uh, now um, when we deal with too little light it's insufficient for photosynthesis to take place or not enough photosynthesis is going to take place this happens two different ways one, you just have the wrong mix of plants in there. Like you have some very tall plants, very short plants, and the very short plants are just going to get less light because of the fact that the light has to pass through the taller plants to get to the shorter plants. Um, the, the other reason why this happens is because the light just doesn't have enough power. Uh, and that is generally the case, especially when we deal with traditional incandescent grow lights uh, and fluorescent 
uh, grow lights. So the first and foremost answer to the two week light question is going to always be move the light closer. Now in the sense of dealing with fluorescence that's an acceptable answer because you can get dramatically close to your plants and still not really burn them. Uh, but when you're dealing with either high pressure sodium bulbs or incandescence you do need to have a bit of space between your lighting and the plants or else your plants are going to uh, burn. And I'm sorry, but that is, again, my hydroponic unit finishing its cycle. <laughs> so um, bear with it. Um, the other option, and this is one I strongly consider is just upgrade your lighting system if you feel that your lighting or you know that your lighting is insufficient for the plants you're trying to grow for the crops you're trying to bring out invest the money if you can and upgrade your lighting system uh, I have recently started using uh, light emitting diodes LED lights for a bulk of my lighting and it is like night and day I'm, I'm not going to lie um, the amount of light that my plants are getting is unprecedented and for less of an energy sink and less of a heat production so it's worth it uh, as far as my my lived experience is concerned now if the light is too strong or too hot uh, in this type of situation we're talking about uh, are incandescents, you know, especially like high pressure sodium and uh, metal halide um, bulbs. These are going to produce a tremendous amount of heat and a tremendous amount of light, and it can burn your plants. So, the first option is, of course, make more space between your light and your plants. That's that's the first thing you need to do. However, if we are talking about a heat issue where too much evaporation is happening, too much transpiration from the plant is happening. You are going to need to vent your growing area. And what that generally means is you need to move that hot air out as fast as possible uh, and allow ambient temperature to get into your grow area. Um, now, speaking of that let's talk about temperature now uh, as far as temperatures are concerned when you're dealing with hydroponics your water temperature is going to be the most important thing and you want your water temperature to be somewhere between 62 and 72 degrees um, as far as soil uh, you want to be between 65 and 75 it's a little more forgiving for room temperature um, and Basically, the reason why it's a little lower in hydroponics is because of dissolved O2. Um, now, the reason why I say water temperature is more important than air temperature, uh, I'm not talking about you can have stuff outside of, out, out in freezing temperatures, because obviously that is a, another complication. But um, as far as the internal temperature of the soil maintaining the roots that will add more to your plant's health than a fixed temperature outside of air temperature. When we come back, we are going to be talking about the thing you can't control.
All right, now welcome back. Uh, this part of the uh, podcast is the part where I tell you you're going to need a tinfoil hat. It's a little bit more like one of the sermons I did at the beginning of this podcast, you know, at the beginning of the entire podcast project. And I want to make it abundantly clear that um, what I'm about to say is going to be something that's very unpopular, considered super unpopular, despite the fact that it's supported by actual events. Now, um, that being said, the thing we can't control. When I say the thing we can't control, I'm talking about the government, because I don't care if you think voting does anything, you can't control the government. They do what they want, and usually it's not in your best interest. Just to be clear, um, when I talk about the government, I talk about all governing bodies, from the HOA all the way up to the federal government and perspective of a world government. Now, HOAs, homeowners associations, are contractually um, agreed upon governments. Basically, you sign a contract with the HOA that you're going to abide by their rules, and if you don't, you're uh, volunteering to pay fines for that. And I don't understand the insanity of that, but they say it's because it allows everybody's properties to increase in value, and I don't agree with that at all. The reality is it's full of a bunch of uh, couldn't-make-it-in-politics Karen hacks that feel the need to dominate other people's lives and um, should feel bad for existing. One of the main rules in HOAs is that you're not allowed to grow food on your property. You have to grow a lawn. It has to be a green lawn. It has to be certain height. It has to be a certain type of grass. And this is not very conducive to surviving in these types of scenarios. So HOAs are garbage. They're trash and they actively prevent you from doing the things that we're talking about here. So just keep that in mind. If you live under an HOA, you probably want to get out of there. Uh, At least check your contract to make sure that you can actually do any of these things without incurring a bunch of fines. Now, local ordinances is another uh, disgusting layer of this onion. Uh, Local ordinances sometimes control uh, how you can uh, operate things on your property. Specifically, uh, we're talking about compost here. There are a lot of local ordinances that do not allow for composting, uh, especially in suburban environments, places where HOAs, if they haven't taken off, uh, could take off. Um, So again, something you can't control, something the only way you can control it, just like with an HOA, is to avoid it. Now, police interference is a little bit of a different problem. It's also local ordinance, but it's a different problem. Um, A friend of mine who lives in England, she had uh, suggested me renting property uh, for people to garden off of. You know, basically, you live in an area where you don't have property to garden. Well, here's some some dirt, rent it from me, and grow your vegetables. But I feel that local ordinances would get in the way of that, especially when you consider the fact that someone who may be homeless might stumble upon this and decide, well, I'm going to eat. And then you have uh, someone complaining to the police, police coming there with bleach and pouring it all over the food and uh, thus ruining uh, an entire crop. 
it's not like the police haven't done this before. So let's be clear here. Um, this stuff sucks. You know? um, now, as far as the federal government is concerned, this is really where the tinfoil hat comes on. Uh, during late 2021 and the first half of 2022, we've had an unprecedented amount of um, industry fires in food packaging, food preparation, and uh, food processing plants uh, to the destruction of the entire facility that that was damaged um, we've had an unprecedented amount of uh, livestock mysteriously pass away or be killed because of the fear of bird flu um, and that was at the behest of the federal government and as far as the story goes all right so we have to understand that uh, there is a saying out there if you control the food you control the people and right now um, the government is seemingly acting in a way to make it so that the situation is there that the people have to be dependent on the government for whether or not they can eat and that's why you have to wear a tinfoil hat with this one because well it's speculation I'm going to be completely fair here it's just very coincidental just saying I want to thank everybody for joining me here and I hope you accept and work with these uh, these tips to Get everything you can control under your control and have fruitful harvests. I will see you next time.